0: The Short Game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. Welcome back to The Short Game, the show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and I'm joined this week by two great co-hosts, Laura Nash, Nate Heininger. And a uh, quick disclaimer at the top of the show if we sound a little different this week, maybe a little worse, apologies. This recording session has been a bit cursed. My microphone seems to have completely exploded. I'm on a backup. Uh, Nate was having some computer issues. We're doing our best. Uh, hopefully, this will sound just fine. But if you're hearing any weird issues, apologies in advance. Um, but this week, we are talking about some more games of IF Comp 2020. Uh, so I'm excited to get into these. Uh, IF Comp 2020 uh, continues through the end of the month. We're getting close to the end. And uh, I still, we could talk about last time we uh, did an episode on some of the games of IF Comp. Uh, I still am not 100% sure what I think is like the the top flight, what are the the like big games that are going to win this comp it's still like neck and neck with some really exciting contenders and also some really interesting stuff i haven't seen in the comp before so
1: i'm um, excited to talk about a handful of more games yeah i have uh, obviously been a little absent from the podcast the last yes, month back. and a half so Wonder uh, why that very, was. <laughs> yeah i've been uh very glad and excited to I, I could not miss an if comp entirely so glad to be on this one um you know i don't know if we're planning on doing like a after all the awards are out and everything, we, we usually do sort of like a recap, uh, one as well to see where this whole thing went, but really glad to be a part of it. I love I comp and have some good and interesting games to talk about today. Yeah. Looking forward to talking about some of them. And,
0: uh, so the very, so getting right into it, the first game that I think Laura, you played academic pursuits as opposed to regular pursuits.
2: Yes. So academic pursuits, as opposed to regular pursuits by, uh, Rukuya, uh, it's a made-up name, so sorry if I uh, mispronounced it. But it is a really interesting blend. So it's really just one of those moving in suit- pace- suitcase packing games where you've, like, got a bunch of stuff and you got to find spots for it. Uh, the theme is that you are moving into your academic office. You've just been uh, invited to join the faculty of a new institution, and you are setting up your office. And you are unpacking your boxes and you can look at each object and you can think about each object, decide where to put it or to throw it away. Um, Not everything will fit. But as you do this, you come to realize why you're in the office in the first place. So it's not necessarily like the right answer is your mug goes on your desk or the right answer is your mug goes on your shelf. But depending on whether you put it in a hidden spot, a really prominent spot, um, kind of a, a place of honor, as you will, you'll get different information about the history of that object. Um, I'm trying to be very circumspect because this game has a awesome twist I was not expecting. I thought it was just um, like an office parser game where you're just trying to like put things in specific places, like a puzzle game. Uh, it's much more about why you've decided to take this position and what you're going to do when you leave the office. Oh. Um, and Interesting. The game ends when you leave the office, so it's not like you get um, a super big like payoff scene after you leave, but it's all about you are setting up the office and then like as a payoff to a future event, and you want to create a mood, you want to do a thing, to set up your office and make it your own, what you choose to put out, what you choose to hide, what you choose to throw away, changes how you want to portray yourself in this job. Again, I'm being incredibly circumspect um, because I don't want to give away what make... This is a game about retrospective humor. You're going to enjoy the game. At some point, you're going to figure out what the game is actually about and everything will become very funny.
0: <laughs>
2: um, yes. So things are pretty like fun on the surface. So for example, um, you unpack a mug and when you examine it, uh, it says some rusty brown stains ring the inside of the mug. Emblazoned on the outside in cursive are the words bad bitch juice. <laughs> and okay. then when you think about the mug, I have it that just mug. says... Yeah, you have that mug. You think about the mug, it just says, Bad bitch juice. You wipe a tiny tear away. Jeez, that's so funny. So nice. that is funny on its surface. About 10 minutes later, you're going to find that a lot funnier. And I, if you want to know why, I'm going to do a like 30-second spoiler break. So hit the 30-second forward button. But you figure out you're a vampire and you're a lesbian, and it's great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Now I'm. Um, in. <laughs>
2: yeah. So ev if you're back from spoiler, I'm going to go back to being circumspect. But once you know the trick, every joke has a new twist on it. So think about what I just said about the bad bitch juice. All of the details make a lot of sense in the new context. How you got into your office makes context. How you are choosing to decorate your office makes a lot more context. And, um, you also find out uh, your next mission um, by reading books, by looking at photos. Um, you have taken this job for a specific reason, and you have perhaps become an academic specifically to have this job at this place. Um, it's very short. I think it's at an hour. I probably finished closer to 30, 40 minutes, but um, that's because I just like ran through, looked at everything, made decisions quickly. Uh, Once I realized like putting things in different places gave me more text, I probably should have like taken stuff and moved it around the office more. But it's a delightful, lighthearted piece. And when you end, uh, it's very satisfying because you are not just leaving your office, you are about to do something awesome. So that is as non-spoilery as I can be if you skip the spoiler break. (laughs) That sounds like a lot of fun, and you know what?
0: Honestly, like that's the kind of spoiler that, like, I could certainly understand why, for the like narrative and, and effect and so on, someone would want to sort of bury that, uh, that uh, what do you call that? The, the punchline, essentially, or it's not yeah. even a punchline, sort of like comedic circumstance. But that also makes me much more interested in playing it because yes. uh, it, it se- seemed a little dry on the surface. So very interested.
2: Yeah. So the the text for the intro is. Dear Miss Blank, we are delighted to offer you a position in our architecture department. After your application and interview, we are confident you will really sink your teeth into this role. Your new (laughs) office will be ready for you to move in next week. You're encouraged to make the space your own. P.S. I understand you are acquainted with one of our most esteemed professors. Per your request, your employment is yet to be publicly announced. I trust it will make for a heartening reunion. (laughs) So again, once you know the twist, that text is awesome. Without the twist, it's pretty dry. So that's kind of the gist of the game. Before the last episode, I'd played 10 minutes and hadn't gotten to that twist yet. And I was like, oh, it's a fun puzzle game about putting stuff in. Like, I'm sure it's going to be some kind of emotional, like, like my mother, I have feelings about my mother. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was what the game was going to be. And I was like, I'm not really up for that kind of emotional thing right now. And Mm -hmm. then I found out the actual twist and was like, oh no, it's a comedy game. Great. Awesome. (laughs) I wish there was a way. Like, I completely believe that you should go in. Like, I don't think it spoils anything to know the twist, but I think it's fun to be able to read each sentence twice. It's kind of like if you see the musical Gypsy, like, they sing the same song twice, and the third time you realize the lyrics are filthy. Like, (laughs) I think it's more fun if you can go in unspoiled, but there's no problem going in spoiled in my mind. So yeah,
0: well, that's cool. That's really cool. And that also is, I'm, I'm excited to play that now, whereas honestly it wasn't on my list. Yeah. Prior, so um, that's, I'm glad for that spoiler. That's the kind of spoiler. That I sounds need. great. Yeah. So the next game that I wanted to talk about was lore distance relationship by Naomi Bez Norbez. And uh, we've played other games by Norbez before uh, as part of the comp. I think they've entered a, a number of times, uh, over the years, I, I I'm pretty confident I've played other games by them. But the only thing that that springs to mind immediately was that last year they had a sort of a it was more of an essay than a game uh, about their I think it was hmm, sorry it's been it's been a year now and I think it was uh, it was about their uh, Christianity and how that interacts with their you know queer identity and something like that and. And I remember thinking it was interesting to see that presented in a interactive fiction sort of context, but it didn't really play as a game. Uh, whereas this is much more of a game. And also I connected with it really, really deeply. So I wanted to tell you guys about it. Um, this is a, uh, uh distance relationship is a game about growing up online. Um, and I don't think it's a spoiler to say that it's, uh, so it's a, it's a story about, um, well, first of all, the the content warnings that are right on the tin are: this game contains discussions of domestic violence and abuse, depictions of teenagers, and depictions of teenagers exploring their sexuality. So it's a story about um a couple of users connecting on a very Neopets-like site. Uh, the site, the game doesn't nice. completely do a uh, like a full interface for this. I was when I first logged into it. I say logged in when I first loaded up the game. I was I was kind of hoping for more of like actual, like, uh, you know, faux UI. Uh, And they did do some of that, but it's primarily playing just sort of as like a a choice-based, text-based, you know, narrative. Um, But it does give you enough of the flavor of this sort of uh, Neopets-esque site called Ruffians, a a, a game (laughs) slash site. That's R-U-F-F-I-A-N-S. It's a game slash site about caring for alien dogs and the illustrations that they have done of these alien dogs are like they're perfect they like ride that like line of like early sort of low res internet art um you know this the the aesthetic here like a hundred percent nails the like early 2000s pre-social media internet and specifically nails the sort of like neopets verse now i personally wasn't really on Neopets, but like this is an a portion of the internet that like definitely like is part of my uh you know my my growing up worldview. I, I did a lot of other Neopets adjacent stuff on the internet in, in this era, and um, it's a story about uh, so there's the the main character is a user named Staircase Heaven fourteen or Staircase Haven fourteen, uh, and they have a, a a close friend that they make on Neopets. Uh, whose name is B or Busy B, something like that. Um, and the game takes place in a series of conversations via the Neopet's chat, or excuse me, the uh, ruffians chat, between about uh, between age eight and eighteen. So over a very long period oh, of wow. people's lives. Um, and this relationship that starts as just people like connect like randomly connecting via ruffians becomes like a really core relationship in both of these characters lives in a way that I found really like emotionally satisfying and and sort of heartrending. It's really sweet, but it's also a story about like trying to come to terms with who you are growing up online. So I don't want to spoil this because it doesn't mention it in the description. So again, um, like Laura did, I'm going to give you a very brief like spoiler thing. If you want no spoilers about this whatsoever. Um, you know, I, I I recommend this. You can just skip to the end of the chapter and just go play it, uh, or or maybe skip forward thirty seconds. I'm going to be discussing some uh, some of the the probably main spoiler content here. Although I don't I don't I wasn't actually surprised by this um, given the, the author. It, it's it's a trans story. It's about coming. Kind of the, the main character is, uh, is experimenting with and figuring out their sexuality, um, and their uh and their identity um, via basically rping. On Neopets, so like these kids start talking to each other about these Neopets type characters, and eventually they like settle on their favorite ones, and they start doing like art role playing uh, between the characters, and of course then their Neopets start dating each other, uh, and they're they're playing out these scenes together in very sort of precocious like I don't really know what like eight year olds online in in the year two 2000- thousand typed like or wrote like, but it felt pretty realistic to me, maybe a little bit precocious or maybe a little bit pre- like, um, advanced for an eight year old. But then again, what do I know? Eight year olds are probably smarter than I know. Mm. Um, and it, it felt more sort of naturalistic the farther it went. Uh, there were a few little naturalistic notes that I thought were amazing. Like f- for example, when the one character B, um, who seems to have like a really good relationship with her father and is a, uh, her father's sort of a, a nerd who supports her, like uh, her like nerdy online interests. Um, she tries to get uh, staircase heaven 14 to do this role playing with her and has to explain it to them. And, uh, and she's, uh, she has to bring her dad onto the computer to type out the explanation of what role playing is because she's either not fast, t- fast enough of a typist or you know she's eight she doesn't know how to explain it properly and i thought mm-hmm. that was like an incredibly like like that was just a, a really beautiful little moment because it's it, it's both sort of explains the relationship between this character and her dad uh, in just like one typed moment and also like it's like, oh yeah, these are children. Like this, this child isn't going to do a great job of explaining what RPing means, um, but she brought her dad over to type it for her because she's not a good typer. Um, I loved that. And I loved the, I love both characters. And the, it is really like, it seems like it's going to get very dark because the, uh, the, the main character is experiencing a lot of pretty serious abuse and domestic violence from uh, their uh, mother. Um, mm. but she has the, the main character has a supportive older, uh, sister, um, who is sort of there to protect them through this whole story. Uh, and, uh, uh, that helps. And, uh, so it's not like you're seeing this violence. You're not getting incredibly detailed descriptions of violence. I didn't, I found it like sad, but not like truly distressing to read. And I don't know quite how many, like, I don't know if there's branching paths here or anything like that, but at least in the, in the story as I engage with it, because you do have a lot of choices throughout the story about like how deeply you connect with this other character with, with B. Um, So it's possible that it's, that there's a route in this game where you don't connect deeply with B and things don't turn out as well for the main character as they do. But, um, but for me, it, it uh, not to like spoil the ending or anything, but I found it, Overall, uh, uh, like a, a, a not exactly uplifting—that's not the right word. i just it, it didn't go to the dark places that I was worried that it would, and I came away from it feeling very positive about it. So um, I definitely recommend it for a variety of reasons. I think it's a good story. Um, I think it's it's uh, the art is really really well done to its sort of like imitation of the uh, of the two thousands. It apparently has and I feel bad that I missed out on this. It has audio music and like sound effects and so on that are meant to sort of like, like Skype sounds and so on. I didn't, I didn't realize that I wasn't getting those because like, it has a message at the beginning that you should turn on your audio. I was playing on my iPad and the audio didn't work. Um, and I didn't really think about that until I got to the end of the game and was like, Oh, I didn't hear any of the audio that it said I was going to hear. Um, so I did go back and like, played a little bit more of it a second time on a computer to get that audio. I didn't really feel like I was missing anything, although it's possible that I missed something really, really great in the audio. Um, so, you know, I would recommend playing it on a on a device where it, the audio works. My iPad apparently was not that. Um, but overall, I thought it was really, really nice. Um, and uh, I'm glad to see this, like, more full, uh, you know, truly... Game like interactive thing from uh, Naomi Bez Norbez, uh, and I, I think they're doing really great work here. So, um, uh, recommended. Uh, it's it's about an hour.
1: It's uh, choice based, and uh, it's really neat.
2: That sounds awesome.
1: Yeah. yeah, that sounds great. And I like to see what you were kind of talking about there the, the progression of their work, making it maybe a little bit more. Of something that's playable and a little bit more interactable. Yeah, they they um, definitely
0: have other game type games. Like I looked up their, mm-hmm. their uh IFDB. Uh, it's just that I, I I'm not sure I I could swear that i played another game by this person. And I it, apart from the thing from last year that was more uh essay than game, I was having a hard time figuring out what it was that I'd played, so maybe I'm misremembering. But in any case, um they've they clearly entered the comp before, but um I, I think this is this is a good piece.
1: Nice. All right. Well, I'm going to talk about two games now. They're both shorter games. Um, I, one of my favorite things in IF Comp, I'm not a huge parser fan, um, but I really enjoy the shorter choice based games. You can go in and play just a ton of them. And so that's what I was trying to do for this. I'm actually going to total talk about four games today. Uh, but right now I'm going to talk about two of them. I, uh, the first one I want to talk about, talk about is called Captain Greybeard's Plunder by Julian Mortimer Smith. This was a delightful short game that you play as a you're playing as a retired pirate captain. Uh, At the beginning of the game, you learn about what was essentially their last big battle during this big battle. They really, their ship got destroyed. They had been a highly successful pirate before, um, but this, they, they ran up against something that was too big and too, too strong for them. And their ship gets destroyed. Their crew gets killed. This pirate, your main character loses their hand because of course they do. And now they are retired and they are in their, uh library they have i guess throughout their time as being a pirate one of their favorite things was to collect books when they would take over a ship he would go into the captain's uh, quarters and look at whatever books that the captain had and would take those books so he has this amass this huge library and and the core of the game is actually the pirate now is feeling a lot of like nostalgia for being a pirate and wants to relive their time as a pirate, and and actually like go out on 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 the seas and and avenge their former loss and take down the ship that that took them down. But instead of doing it in real life, they're actually going to basically write a book of their own uh, <laughs> that imagines that that tells the story of them taking down the ship that they uh, that took them down, and you do that by going through and actually selecting passages from other famous nautical books. so oh, <laughs> So he says, like, I, I need to pick a ship. What should my ship be like? And you get passages from things like 10,000 Leagues, uh, Under the Sea, Moby Dick, um, Peter Pan, all these different places that have, like, famous either pirates or famous uh, just, like, nautical adventures, you know? And you're mm-hmm. saying, okay, I, I want the ship from Moby Dick. And so they, you actually see the the passage in the book, or one you know one of many, but a, a key passage from the book that actually describes what the ship looks like. Uh, and what's nice is the mo- most of the game is all just you know text on like black text on white background or vice versa. Um, but when you're actually looking at the the parts from the books, it's like all very lovingly handwritten. It's like in in script, right? And so you you select. I, okay, I want the ship. From, from this book. Then you need to pick a crew. What crew do you want to pick from? Uh, and then what replacement for your hand do you want to pick from? Do you want the hook? Do you want the cutlass? All these different famous things that pirates have had for their hands. And you create the story of your now perfect, perfect everything you have the perfect crew the perfect ship the perfect replacement for your hand you go (laughs) and you go and you know seek your revenge on the ship and the captain that took you down in the first place you even get to pick uh what treasure you're going to find on this ship based off of the the descriptions of treasure from other books where there might've been descriptions of treasure. So I don't feel like any of this is spoilers because really the, the joy and the fun of this game is like seeing these passages and putting it all together to create your perfect, like pirate story and you can mix and match however you want. Uh, And ultimately what it, what it ends up being and I, and I really, this is one of my favorite things about if comp is it ends up really just being a celebration of literature and the the power of storytelling, and this and the power of like what books can do, um, because the pirate now is going to live out the rest of his life creating his own stories by by uh, mixing and matching and molding these different elements from all of his favorite books, um, and and it ends up being really really nice and and it really just talks about like how powerful a good story can be so i really really enjoyed it um i think it takes like one playthrough was like 15 minutes but you could go through and you know create your different version because at the end it like runs through the whole story inserting the decisions you've made uh and how it sort of impacts like your victory um so you could play it multiple different times i just did it the once uh, but it was really, really nice. And I and I really recommend it. It was, I think, 15 minutes or so to do the first run through.
2: So I've seen some mobile games that have taken bits of text from other games and like from other novels and put them together like Dear Reader and such. I haven't seen um kind of this crib sheet in an IF comp before and I'm I'm all for it.
0: Yeah, Laura, I think I've, I've heard of that game, but I haven't played it yet. That's on Apple Arcade, right? The one that you mentioned?
2: Yeah, it was weird. I kickstarted it. And then it was like, we're giving your money back because we sold Apple Arcade, and you can't buy it. So here's your money. Like, so they just gave your money back. I was fine. like,
1: well, that's cool. They could have not done that, you know.
2: Yeah, they were like, we ended up like running short on money and just sold Apple Arcade. So you kickstarted it. Like, I guess you can put it towards a month of Apple Arcade. Sorry, that
0: is such <laughs> a weird situation when you think about it. Like, you you know the the whole idea of like you know a game gets money from any other source like uh like epic or something like that and and you know they can just give a key to their to their kickstarter backers on that platform but you can't do that with apple arcade or subscription services and if you're only if yeah, it's only available through a subscription
2: And people have been playing the test flight for early access for a long time, but like those only, you can only renew them for so long. And so they were like, the test flight builds are going to expire in like 15 days. I we can't change it. Um, so I feel for them. Yeah, it's a great game. It's just well that
0: now that you you now that you've reminded me of that, I want to go download it and and check it out on Apple Arcade because I do still have my subscription running. Uh, Need to probably (laughs) I I have it set to expire uh, and not renew at the moment until something else pops up on there that I really want to play, but uh, yeah. cool. Uh, so yeah, Lord, yeah. So, so Nate, you
1: mentioned you had another game you wanted to talk about too. Yes. So the next game I want to talk about is called the cave by Neil Aitken. And this was a really interesting one. So the premise of this game is that you essentially wake up in a cave. It's very, very dark and you need to navigate around the cave and, you know, the goal is unclear, but you kind of assume like I'm in this cave. I don't know why I'm in this cave. I should try to get out of this cave. Right. I think And it's yeah. all choice based. And you, you can tell that you're in a, like a series of rooms, right? You, almost always there's an option to go into another room. And then there's the option to like return to the room that you were just in each room will have some sort of event that you can interact with maybe it'll be there's some glowing moss on the wall and you can actually pick up the moss and store it you have a little running along the bottom of the screen is like you know you have nothing in your inventory or now now you have moss in your inventory there's another room where you might find pebbles or a long stick or a book or a dead wolf. And you're just going around and exploring. Like a
2: de- or a dead wolf. Or a dead wolf. <laughs> just- uh,
1: it's, it's, a, it's very creepy. Like the, the the language is is intentionally kind of oppressive. It's supposed to be very dark and very foreboding. Um, I guess there are sound effects. I have the same problem as you, Reagan. I played on iPad. And either it wasn't working or I just didn't have the volume on. I didn't know there were sound, tra- sound effects until later. <laughs> um, and... It was interesting, you know, as you're going through, you're collecting things pretty standard. You're also, as you make decisions, you are getting little character traits along the bottom that says like, you are charming, you are smart, you are wise, things like that. Uh, and then you're also different events can lead to you learning spells that may or may not, you know, help you in different things. So you're so your little sheet at the bottom of this screen continues to grow and grow you're getting new traits and you're getting new spells Uh, but it's all kind of still confusing as to what you're supposed to do and then you're just continuing to explore um, and then eventually you you find your way out and I enjoyed the game there were several moments that were really really that felt really buggy to me and then I learned something when I was done playing the game that made it all make a little bit more sense. But some of the bugs that I encountered were uh there's a there's a character in the middle of the game or somewhere in the game that wants books. And I found in one room I found something called a mystery novel. And then in another room I found another book that was called like an unknown book, and I was later able to decipher that that book was also a mystery novel. And so now in my inventory it said you have like A long stick, a mystery novel, a pebble, some moss, a mystery novel, right? So it's on there Mm -hmm. twice. And then I went, returned to this person, and I gave them, you know, give them a book. You have an option to give them a book. Gave them a book, and both instances of my, a mystery novel, like, went away from my inventory. So it was like, Mm. as I was playing in my head, I had two copies of, like, two different books. But now when I gave them this book, both of them were gone, so weird little things like that, that didn't really make any sense to me. And there was weird things about like how the rooms were tied together and like why certain items were available and why would I, why would I go here and why would I have these things? Like, I couldn't really figure it out. So after playing it, I went back to the IF comp page and there is a, this game actually has a walkthrough edition. You can go and click on it. And I was like, okay, I never really look at those things, especially for IFCOM, but I thought I would take a look at it for this one. And it was actually, I kind of wish I had looked at it before playing because it made things make a lot more sense. So I'm, I want to, I'll read to you. If you if you want to go in and play it unspoiled, like that's fine. This isn't really spoiler in my mind, but if you want to skip this, that's fine. Um, it just made it make a lot more sense to me. So I'm just going to read straight from the walkthrough two things. One, the cave is a messy network of 10 cavern rooms which are randomly linked despite it only being 10 rooms due to various random factors determined pre-game and mid-game there are a lot of things to do and a wide variety of possible interactions no two playthroughs will be the same oh so i was like oh well that makes a lot more sense why like i i had gone into this game thinking it was like a like a cohesive narrative i woke up in this cave and there's a there's like a track of things I'm supposed to do to get out, but instead it's like a random assortment of different environments and in situations. So that
2: so it's a roguelike,
1: yeah, essentially. And then here's the most interesting part though later down at the bottom of the walkthrough, which just has some, it's not really a walkthrough, it just like explains how some of these rooms work. It says, under the hood, this game is an alternative way to generate the basic character ability scores for your favorite role-playing game. Your choices purchase uh, your choices purchase increases in those scores according to a point-buy system. In this case, it builds a character according to your preferred actions and reactions to situations. Once you've expanded your pool of points, you'll find your way out. So huh. that's what it's doing where at the bottom it's saying, you are wise, you are charming, you are smart. You know these spells. I, I I only played through it the one time, but I'm guessing there's a lot of different character traits and a lot of different skills and spells and things. And at the end of the game, you're going to have this like, oh, these are, this is who I am. And that's really what you're doing. You're not really like solving anything or accomplishing anything other than by making the choices throughout the game. You're determining what type of character you have. So it was way more interesting once I learned that. And I kind of wish I had known that going in, but at the end of the day, I know it now, so it's all fine. But it was like, I I think the randomness maybe needs some cleaning up. There were a lot of instances where things like just literally did not seem to make sense. Like stuff was available to me and I could do things with things that I maybe didn't have yet. Um, So I do think like, this is a really challenging thing to make this style of thing. And there's probably all sorts of like weird little instances that are not clean or make any sense. But overall, like once I learned that I was like, well, this is pretty cool actually. Uh, and I, I'd recommend you at least go through and, and uh, take a shot when you're done. There's a little screen that says like, who am I? And you see sort of a recap of the things. So mm. uh, it's pretty interesting. Um, it's a cool idea at the very least. Yeah. I actually like the idea of a a game that at the end
0: of it sort of like gives you the stats for like a D and D character or something like that, that you could then carry on forward. Like sometimes the the process of like rolling up a new character in D and D or whatever else is, is very much like full of, analysis paralysis and uh and like lots of fraught decision making that you don't have a lot of actual anything to base on yet and the idea of like i don't know whether this is it says your favorite role-playing game in the text there so i'm not sure whether whether, exactly what that means but i like the idea of like creating a character by making a bunch of Narrative choices instead of by yeah. like designing a bunch of points.
1: Yeah, it was really interesting. You know, and and if I walk out of this game, like, okay, my next character is charming, smart, and has telekinesis. Like, all right, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> all right, yeah, <laughs> sold. All right, that's that's yeah. pretty cool. That's
0: a pretty cool concept. So, yeah,
2: one of my favorite things about Fallen London is as you level up your traits, the uh, adjectives on your uh, profile change. So it's like at some point you go from being like charming to being like devastating <laughs> at some point you go from being just smart to being like sagacious like they get nice. more and more yeah so uh that that's something I should you know when there is time for another D D character. Um are you charming or are you devastated? Yeah.
1: yeah good to good to wonder. Laura
0: I think you had the next uh, one on our list here.
2: Yeah. So my next one is completely different. Uh it's different from anything I've ever played for the comp before, actually. Okay. It's called Under They Thunder by Andrew Schultz, uh, who you might remember from very vile fairy file. Oh, right. <laughs> so it's funny because he sometimes writes under like aliases that fit the games. So it's actually hard to go into IF Comp, like to go into the interactive fiction sites and like look up every game he's ever done. Cause sometimes he like Writes under the fake name in the game. Um, but he just does, like, I have an idea for a weird word puzzle, and then I'm going to take it to the logical extreme and then keep going. <laughs> like that very vile fairy file was, how many puzzles can I make about alliterative rhyming? Hmm. And this is Pig Latin the parser game. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I have discovered... That I really, really suck at pig Latin, which is stupid because really? like
0: <laughs>
2: pig Latin is simple, right? Mm-hmm. Like you take the first letter off, you put it at the end and you add a syllable. But like when I read pig Latin, it is like I have to look at every – I have to be like, okay, I look at this phrase. I take the first letter off. I move it to the end and I take it. Like I have to actually think through each step to translate it. Um I don't know why, like, anagram puzzles, rhyming puzzles. My brain was like, sure, but for some reason, Pig Latin, my brain is like, we got to slow down and act like this is the SAT. <laughs> That's pretty uh, no.
0: funny. No.
2: <laughs> so, but I will say, um, even if you're a Pig Latin dumbass, like, I apparently am. I didn't know this. <laughs> this is a new. We're learning about ourselves all the time. And I'm bad at Pig Latin. Um, but... Andrew Schultz is someone who does so many wordplay games like this that he seems to have really mastered what you need to make it feel less overwhelming. Um, There are so many helper tools built into this game, guys. I can't overstate this. Like, You start off and it's like, are you using a screen reader? If so, I'm going to take out extra punctuation. Hmm. Um, When you start playing and you introduce yourself, the guy you're talking to is like, Oh, by the way, um, I've created a thing called the Please Ease Play, which tells you hints, basically, in-game. Um, he also has a thing called the um, Op Stay Stop, um, which is a tool you can turn on that will tell you if what you're currently doing is the thing you need to be doing right now. Hmm. So it is a tool that if you're, like, wandering over, they're like, you can play with this, but you can't solve this puzzle right now. Um, And it's specifically turned on, as he says, um, it'll make things quicker. In the extremely unlikely case, you only have two hours to spend for this whole adventure and maybe have others to see. If you've got other cool stuff to do, I respect that. Leave this setting on. Like, in-game, someone's, like... This is the IF comp setting.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: so you don't waste time. And and if you have it turned on, one of the early puzzles is you go to a library and there's a bunch of books on the shelf and you could only retain one at a time. And when you read a book, they'll be like, "Hey, you don't need this right now." Like maybe skip the shelf. Like come back to it. You'll you'll explore this later. Um and you can always turn any of those settings off and on. That's awesome. So not only are there screen reader supports an in-game hint system and um, the uh, like this is not necessary to get to the place next also when you type in stuff they're periodically going to be like oh I see you've used type-ins note I'm gonna remove those for you so you don't have to type them or like you type in a word they're like next time you can just do E it's like they're not too annoying there's just lots of notes on like for, they also have um, an incredibly generous keyword system that if you type it, I mean, given it's Pig Latin, they're like, if you type in one of the words, but you put a different suffix on, they have to take it. So um, if you only say like half of a setting, it'll still take it. Um, it's super generous um, with the keywords. Uh, so... You can if you want to just like go ham on variations on a word if you want to and it would probably work. It's kind of it's the spirit of the game. But um, given it's a game about trying to find pig Latin phrases, he's built in something that I think is like super forgiving. Um, it is very overwhelming when you start the game, though, like every like names of stuff being in pig Latin again apparently just makes my brain short out they might as well be in a foreign language I have no like which is dumb because like it just like the stop what is it the
0: yeah I'm not trying to like brag example. about my pink Latin skills but like that's that's been something I've been like I guess quote unquote good at since I was like seven years old
2: yeah like the ops day stop is just stop. And I was like, "Oh, what is the clever thing this word is?" Oh, no. <laughs> like, again, I have to sit there and move it around, and other people can just like look at that and read the word "stop." So, yeah. um, I it slowed me way down. Um,
1: I have no idea what my current level of skill on reading and understanding Pig Latin is. So, makes me want to play this game just to see yeah. how I stack up.
2: So, play the first fifteen minutes, and you're going to get a real good sense if you're um. A pig Latin dunce, um, (laughs) which I apparently am. Um, Apparently, Andrew Schultz is known for being like this specific type of game, like cult favorite, um, that if you like these kind of word games taken to just a ridiculous level. He even says like, I didn't. I made this game to figure out how long you can make a game about Pig Latin. And it turns out you can go pretty far (laughs) making a game where all the puzzles are in Pig Latin. Um, I played for about an hour and a half um, because I think had the mechanic been anything other than Pig Latin, that would probably be about 45 minutes of real play. And then I needed to take a break because I was like, I clearly know what this game is about. I'm having fun with it. If I keep playing right now, I will not be having fun. And yeah. I need to take a break and come back. Fair. Uh, and so I, I can't say I finished it, but the puzzles are fair. Uh, it has almost like um, those clues you get in an adventure game where they get more and more detailed. So you can ask an in-game hint from people around you. You can ask the pleasies play. And there's a walkthrough. Like, he's done really I think he knows he writes hard games, and so he's given you every tool you want to, to tool the settings as needed, um, which I really appreciated. Um, it's, I think if this had been um, any other kind of, like, it's funny, if it was a fake language, maybe I wouldn't be so bad at it, but I'm just really bad at Pig Latin, guys. That's super <laughs> funny.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> well, fortunately, that's a skill that is completely un like not a need a, a worthwhile skill to have i guess other than maybe this game so
2: i mean i was the one in heaven's vault like it's so interesting translating runes <laughs> <So>. <laughs> maybe this is this this has humbled me guys yeah. i've been humbled this game is great but it is very humbling um did not realize this was a deficit in my education all
0: right <laughs> so the biggest game that i played for this week was tavern crawler by josh labelle i don't think i played anything else by josh labelle before um at least the name didn't ring a bell i didn't do an exhaustive search but i was really impressed with this one and i had a lot of fun with it um it was recommended to us by a listener on twitter so thank you to john gibson uh listener john for not only suggesting the game but also giving me a hint when i got stuck so thanks very much uh Tavern Crawler is a, it has a pretty funny sounding uh, intro. Uh, The the subtitle is a story about what happens after you slay the dragon. And so the premise here, uh, although you do get to play, I was expecting to sort of be jumped straight into the action based on some about the description here, but some of what's in the description is actually makes up the beginning of your game. I'll get to that in a second. But um, the the overall structure of this story is that you are an adventuring party uh, that has been given a task to, go and uh, slay a dragon. Um, uh, and you, you received this task while drunk. And unfortunately, you were told that you were going to get your, your you know, massive reward for killing this dragon uh, if you come and meet the person who gave you this task in a tavern after you finished. But you realize after, after the events, you know, after completing your quest, that you don't, know, you don't remember which tavern he told you to go through go to, to meet him at. Mm -hmm. And so the majority of the game is basically like a, like a whole uh, town wide pub crawl to every tavern in this town to try to find the guy that gave you the quest it's actually a uh, really, really well implemented. So um, it is choice based, but a couple things about the way that it works: it has a sort of a sidebar, a persistent UI on screen the whole time that has little tabs to it that you can uh, expand and contract, and they are for things like your character stats. This game actually has a lot of sort of mechanics going on while never getting fully like overwhelming about it. You have like character stats, which is reduced down to just uh, your you know your score in mage or uh, or rogue or tank. Um, and depending on your actions, you get to choose some background information about yourself early in the game that contributes to those stats. But throughout the night that you're, you're playing, uh, you increase those stats and there's different dialogue and other options that get presented to you based on whether you're like, you know, high score in tank versus rogue, that kind of thing. Um, and you're exploring this whole town, trying to find all of the bars and figure out which one you need to meet uh, your quest giver in. Um, but the thing that really stuck out to me about this game is that it has an enormous number of characters and little micro stories. So, in hmm. addition to having that, like the That's stats fun. in your sidebar, you also have a, a quest tracker, which is something I don't usually see in something like a two hour, uh, you know, uh, web based, choice based, uh, you know comedy game Uh, but like there are a ton of optional side objectives in this game most of which end up being like you meet a character and you uh you have you know they they have some particular need or there's some quirk about their backstory and then you can come back to them later and sort of resolve their their little personal stories Uh, there's lots of these little micro stories throughout the game so um just a couple of examples like you uh at one point, you meet a, uh, a guy. So there's, a, there's a, a rough bar in one corner of town. Uh, and inside, there are a bunch of people playing that knife game where you're stabbing a knife in between your fingers. And, of course, you can play yes. the knife game. And if you want, you can accidentally lose a finger to the knife game. I'll also mention, by the way, that this game has a really, for a web-based, choice-based game, it has a really good functioning save system, where at any mm. time, you can essentially quick save, it's in the sidebar at all the time, you can hit a quick save button, it saves where you are, and you can restore that save at any point. So you can feel free to try the knife game if you want, and not worry that you're going to like go through the rest of the game with no hand. Um but uh, you uh, and, and also in addition to that, I should mention just from a technical level, that save system absolutely worked on my iPad, even if the iPad reloaded my my game, I could go back into the tab, I could even reopen the game in a new tab and load that nice. save, and it worked. so awesome. it was doing great like techn- on a technical level there for a game as long as it's not very long, but like a, I spent probably three hours with it, um, and that was probably the only reason that I was able to do that. like it had really good technical underpinnings here. Um, but like so story i was i was relaying there you can go in you can play the knife game and stab your, your finger off well later you meet a guy who uh uh who is missing a finger and also uh seems to have I, i'm i may be misremembering some details here but he he was in a relationship with an orc prince and that orc prince is deceased and he's very sad about it and he he lost a sentimental ring while Playing that knife game so you have to go and recover his finger for him from the bucket of fingers <laughs> so oh, God. um and there's also like you have options about that so you can decide whether you think the guy is telling the truth about his relationship with the orc because there's other characters you can talk to that have something to say about it and you know maybe he's lying about his relationship with the orc he's just trying to get some fingers out of the bucket of fingers um, and, uh, and you, know, you can awesome. decide whether you want to bring the, knight, the the ring back to him. You can decide whether you demand a reward for that. And on top of that, you have a party of three characters. You, uh, who you get to decide your name and your class. There's also a fighter character named Ford and a, uh, a, a mage character named Aurora. And every time you complete one of these little micro objectives with these characters, there's some additional dialogue options you have with your NPC party members. So like after mm. you do that, you can have a conversation with Aurora and Ford about what just happened with the guy who was missing a finger and you can uh, see what they think about it. And you get to have your say about what you think about it. And the the characters, it tracks stats about your relationship with those characters. So if you are saying things that please Aurora, then you know her status might go from like friendly to ride or die drinking buddies. Or you can have romantic intra- interactions with both Ford and Aurora, either or both. You can have <laughs> three. You can have a three-person <laughs> uh, triad relationship with your adventuring party if you want. Uh, I learned Finally. that detail from the uh, the very detailed list of uh, achievements that it gives you at the end of the game. So there's a lot going on in this, like a whole lot, a lot. Um, and uh, overall, I think it's like a nice little setting, uh, like a town with multiple taverns each one has its own flavor there's different areas of town i mentioned there's lots of characters lots of little side objectives to complete overall i just found it really impressive both from a technical level and and like it's not absolutely my favorite uh, in terms of the writing and sort of story like it is decent writing and story it's uh it's you know it it's uh it's mostly presented for for laughs and it's not the the most chuckles i've had in any game in the comp but it certainly kept me playing but what i think what really kept me going all the way to the end was just being so impressed at how much they'd managed to pack in to this fairly uh you know to to, to this choice-based adventure um, I, I was just very, very impressed with it, both on a technical level and, and, you know, in terms of like, uh, just presenting an interesting story and, and, and level of, of choice and sort of detail that's here. Um, I, I think it's really, really impressive. Um, so, uh, I would definitely recommend people check out Tavern Crawler. Uh, like I said, I think it took about three hours to complete and, um, I, I had a, a really, really great time with it. It's, uh, it's really neat. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Um,
2: More interaction than I had in.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was very. Yeah, i I'm, I know there's a lot of stuff I missed in it too, because like there's there's a lot of choices you can make, and um, you know, a, a couple of small things. Like I, uh, I know, for example, that that Ford uh, can die in the first ten minutes of the game, uh, and then there's a lot of things that I know would be kind of different without him. Um, I know that uh, the the dragon, you have choices about whether or not to slay the dragon. There's several ways that that can go. And what happens with that has, uh, has effects on the rest of the game. There's a lot of little stuff that this is tracking. There's a lot of state under the hood in this game. Um, and so, yeah, I, I I'm, Oh, and I didn't even mention, um, there's so much going on with these multiple characters and how all of their little different uh, interactions can play out. At the end of the game, in addition to giving you sort of a like an achievement screen, it gives you an American graffiti style, where are they now? It gives you like a scene from a bunch of the different Classic. characters that you've interacted with over the course of this wild night of drinking. Um that, mm. uh, like, you know, you'll see, oh, well, like, this guy uh, whose wife was thinking about leaving him, it gives you, like, a couple of paragraphs of him coming into the bar and finding she's flown the coop and is gone and, and uh, you know, that kind of thing. Like, you get to see those last little, like, denouement moments for a lot of these side characters that you interacted with throughout the course of the, of the game after you sort of beat it or, or completed it. So, um, and I know it has multiple endings. I'm just, like, super impressed with it from that, that level. So, you know, totally recommend Tavern Crawler from Josh Lavelle.
1: I definitely am going to play that. All right, I'm going to talk about two more games, uh, but these are going to have a very different tone and a very different sort of ability to talk about them than the last, uh, the whole rest of how this episode has been going, um, because these are these were pretty heavy and pretty serious games. Uh, I don't normally lean towards that, but I actually thought I would try that because again, I tend to lean towards like the fun and silly games so i was like all right I'll, I'll try uh some of these more darker serious subject matter games and what was essentially leading me to say is that i don't feel very qualified to talk about the games that i'm about to talk about uh but i'm i'm glad that i at least dip my toes into them so the first game that i'm going to talk about is called a calling of dogs by arabella collins so the premise of this game, it is choice based. You are a woman who has been kidnapped, is being held in a dog cage, and all of the interactions are between you and the man who has kidnapped you and his plans on what he's going to be doing with you as his uh, as the person that he has kidnapped and it's pretty heavy. I you're you're going through and you are making selections on what you say and how you react to his various efforts. Uh and it's kind of rough. Um it's well written and the choices are interesting and uh you know, difficult to make and I, I will tell you that I made it pretty far into this game and then something happened and it bugged and i was no longer able to make additional selections and i was kind of okay with that and i stopped
0: playing <laughs> <laughs>
1: so um again this is a this is a heavy subject matter I, you know i'll tell you the the game on ive comp it has content warning gore sexual harassment physical assault graphic violence blood Ooh. so uh you know i i yeah, I, I don't know what to say about it other than from its, like, narr- it, it, it's it, it's successful at what it's trying to do. And I guess I'll say, too, that one thing that I think, I another thing that I appreciate about IF Comp is that I don't think there's any other avenue for this sort of experience to be explored in a game. I don't think any company anybody is going to produce like a full a full-fledged you know uh game with graphics and sound and everything where this is the core subject matter um i think this has to come from like indie artists and i think if comp is really the is a great way to convey this um so i appreciate that um i think that if this sounds like a subject matter you're interested in, then this is a good one to go for. And I don't know where to go past that.
2: So these are the kind of games that I feel like are really necessary, kind of like the uh, movies, like The Room, or you know, not, not The Room, just Room, um, very different movies. <laughs> um, but it's hard sometimes, like you do need at times to be like, the hard to watch stuff is necessary. Right. And sometimes um it is someone needs to play them first almost, I figure, and tell me if it is exploitative, uh just like horror or you know, sadness porn, or if it's actually like exploring something necessary. And it sounds like this one is is definitely on the like on the Good side of that boundary, so I appreciate you that.
1: Yeah, I I have interacted with this subject matter uh, very little, but it did not feel Mm. exploitative to me.
2: That's good because sometimes I've seen people. There's a big difference, as you said, between like the indie artists doing something that they they feel necessary and people doing like, I'm going to do a game about this because it's important. So I, I really do appreciate when someone is doing it from like a good place. That's an odd thing to say about a game, but yeah. like, that to me is always my dividing line. It's like who, I, I almost, knowing I have a limited capacity to feel things this strongly, I want to make sure I consume the ones that are more likely to be from a a good place rather than a place of, I'm going to do an important work about the worst stuff yeah. I can think of. Yeah. So I, I appreciate that. Thank you for playing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and deciding that for me, because now if I choose to engage with it, I, I don't have to worry about that pitfall.
1: I would be interested to hear your thoughts on it. Um, but yeah, it didn't feel exploitive to me. It just was heavy and, and gross at times, but like it's a heavy and gross situation. So,
2: Which is fine. Like you can choose to engage. Ga- you can write about that and you can choose yep. to engage with it but like you it, you know it's it, it is such a hard thing to like you need someone to almost give it a pass yeah like like this is this is worth your. Emotion, and I appreciate you doing that for me. So now, when I play it, I won't be worried that like it's somebody playing it to be like, let's do something deep.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't get that feeling. So yeah, I think you know, give it a shot if this sounds like a worthwhile experience to you.
0: Well, I played one more game this this week that was also pretty heavy, not exactly in the same way, but um, definitely one of those sorts of games that I came away from. Uh, you know feeling some strong emotions and that's you couldn't have done that by Anne Hugo. Um I'll set it up with the just a description from the from the page. Uh your first day on the job wasn't going to be pleasant. Such was inevitable. It's a big change and you are autistic. But this was a different story, far worse than unpleasant. So this is a really short uh choice-based game. Uh, with very, uh, it does a good job with some restricted choice, which is something I always like to see is sort of interesting, like playing with, uh, with restrictions on your, your abilities to make choices. Um, it's fairly linear, but that's sort of the nature of this story. Uh, this is a, uh, story about, um, a young person, uh, named Theo, who it's their first day on the job at a women's clothing store, I think in, uh, in a mall, um, I'm not sure if it's their first day working in any sort of job uh, might be, um, but in any case they uh, it's, it's about the sort of difficulties and challenges they face in that culminating with a moment. That's uh, really quite distressing is basically uh, uh, basically an assault um, from a coworker. Um, I hope that's not too much of a spoiler. It's in the, it's in the content description. Um, so the, the story First of all, I always really like reading stories about these sort of um, first-person stories written by and about people with autism. The the author uh, lists autistic in their Twitter bio. So I uh, I, I didn't know that going in, um, but I kind of guessed it halfway through or less based on how personal uh, this story felt, how very sort of in the first person it felt. Um, it's, uh, it's very, it does a really good job of kind of conveying the difficulty and sort of the like, um, well, the sort of restricted choices that autistic people sometimes have when faced with stressful situations. Uh, the, uh, the title refers to the fact that there's very often throughout the story, um, when, when the, when moments become stressful, um, you might have multiple choices on what you can do, but certain ones of them uh, you might try to choose and the the story just says you couldn't have done that. That's a, that's a, a thing that you can't do. You either didn't have the words, or you know you you uh, you just you couldn't do that because it's just it, that's not an option available to you. Um, and that's that sort of feeling of restriction. Um, adding on, onto just sort of the way the narrative, the way the writing works, um, I thought it really did a great job of sort of conveying some things about that experience that you know, uh, me as a pretty neurotypical person, I just didn't like, I, I I've certainly read things that were about the autistic experience or, or even in first person by autistic people. Um, but this was sort of more affecting than some of those. I, I thought it was a really, really well done thing. And that made it even more distressing when the sort of, ending of the story not ending but like the near the end of the story there's this really sort of traumatic moment um that is just really heartbreakingly portrayed um so it's pretty short and I'm kind of glad for that because I think something as as emotionally affecting as this uh, I don't know how uh, how much I could have handled a, a very lengthy version of this uh, Really, only about 15 minutes and because of that I really recommend everybody give this a try I think it's a uh, it's a great sort of window into An experience that I don't have. And I thought it was really, really interesting. Um, And, you know, sad, or distressing, but also really well written. So I would definitely recommend this one. Um, You couldn't have done that by Anne Hugo. Interesting. Nice.
1: All right. My last game uh, was is called stand up, stay silent by Y. Seffel Gwynn. And it is incredibly relevant to right now. And, and really, I think purposefully so, which I'll talk about in a second. But uh, it this is a choice-based game. It takes about 15 minutes and, to play for your first run-through. And then probably like five minutes at the most for anything else. I think I saw every single like outcome of this game. And I think it took me total maybe 20, 25 minutes to do that. Uh, and the basis of the game so takes place in the future. And on Mars, so you know I'm in. uh, Oh, yeah. And uh, it has all this different, you know, interesting technology. But essentially, you as a character are faced with multiple different situations where you either have the opportunity to stand up for justice or stay silent. And every time you stand up for justice, uh, the story progresses in sort of a positive pro-democracy, uh, pro-equal uh, rights, pro-justice. Uh, uh, it progresses that way. And every time you choose to stay silent, things get worse mm. for, oh. for the world or for you or for the people around you. Uh, it wears its, uh, its intent on its sleeves uh, when you choose to stand up you are lauded and you feel good about your decisions. And when you choose to stay silent, uh, the game makes you feel like an asshole for being complacent and not being on the streets participating uh, so much so that whatever ending you get at the end, it has a really very nice and well-constructed page that leads you to uh, that talks about what black lives matters is why it's important and it's framed in a really great way. And then a ton of links to donate to different causes that are supporting Black Lives Matter and, and other uh, similar causes. So um, if you want to feel uh, bad about not participating in, you know, different protests and whatnot, this game is great at doing that. Um, and it is also good at expressing in a, uh, a clear way, like why it's important to do those things. So uh, is great. It was great. I I really enjoyed it. It's it it does a good job of somehow taking like a future space where everybody can stream like everything across uh like augments and whatnot and like so he's keeping up. The main character is keeping up with the protests via a stream into their brain, basically, and uh mm-hmm. you know and there's like crazy future cops with cyber sticks and things you know like good future stuff but it's all basically the same thing as what's happening right now so uh it's it's good um you know i think definitely speaks to causes that we all feel very strongly about so it was uh i enjoyed it i mean enjoyed it for what it was i'm not like yay i'm being yelled at for being complacent but you know what i mean <laughs> like, it, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> i do i do it, it, it it handled it well. So um, if that is interesting to you, I'd say check it out. Awesome. Thanks, Nate and uh, and Laura. Thanks to you and Nate both for uh, for
0: joining me on this episode. Uh, I always love talking about IF Comp. I uh, am looking forward to seeing who wins this year. That'll be really exciting. Be a voter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you haven't, uh, go rate things on your IF Comp page. Uh, you only have to, I think, rate five games for your votes to count. Uh, so Mm -hmm. you're probably this being the year that it's been probably tired of hearing people yelling at you to vote, but (laughs) go vote on IF comp. If you've played (laughs) even a handful of games, just rate them one to 10. You can use your own criteria for deciding what those numbers mean. Uh, and, uh, and go vote in the comp. Uh, it really means a lot to the authors and, uh, and to the comp as a whole.
2: Yeah. And this year when you vote, you can also leave comments for the authors, which I think is a really nice extra. Um, I know I've been using it for even like, Hey, I loved your game. There's a tiny typo, but your game is fantastic.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I have not left any, uh, any uh, feedback. I was kind of thinking, I always sort of think of the podcast as my feedback, but I may go back through later Mm -hmm. and just type up a couple of sentences, maybe especially to convey thanks to the authors whose work I really, really liked. So uh, this has been a great year. I'm, played a lot of really neat stuff and i'm i'm glad that we uh managed to get four whole episodes in and also thank you to all of the guests that have joined us for the for the previous ones this has been a great comp um this is probably our last episode for if comp 2020 although we may return back like nate mentioned earlier to do a wrap-up um especially if any of the games that place in the top are ones that we haven't checked out yet i'm certainly going to be wanting to 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 go back and play those. So uh, let us know. Which
2: this year might be super likely again. Yeah, very
0: likely this year. There's still so many games on the list that I haven't even really read their descriptions yet. It's just such a long list. So, um... Listeners, uh, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. Uh, we are still interested to hear your IF Comp 2020 thoughts. If you have things that you think we missed, maybe we'll get to them in that wrap-up. Or if you have other games that you think we should be covering on the show, good short games, we want to hear from you. Uh, you can find us on the web at www.theshortgame.net, where you'll find a contact form for that. Or you can find us on Twitter at underscore shortgame. Um, you can also find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash the short game and all of our patrons uh, get instant access to our discord, which is where we talk about the games that we're playing, plan the show, uh, and just talk about other stuff too. So if you want to join us there, uh, even a dollar a month gets you into our discord and we would be very happy to have you. Uh, and uh, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Reagan K. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. Laura, where can people find you?
2: You can find me on Twitter at Laura J. Nash.
0: And Nate, where can people find you? On Twitter at Nate STL. And listeners, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game.